one of the things we're really, we're really interested in, in understanding is not just what are people talking about, but how is it making them feel? Because negative emotions tend to create more frustration, longer calls, and generally a lot of uh, customer concerns. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're talking about ways you can gain actionable insight from every customer interaction. And given the current environment with many working from home, it becomes critical for businesses, marketers, sales professionals to understand as much about customer sentiment as possible. To help us, we have with us Sid Banerjee, founder and chief strategy officer of Clarebridge. Sid, thank you so much for taking time and welcome to the show. Thank you, Chad. Happy to be here. So before we jump in, we always like to start with kind of an off-the-wall question, just for people to get to know you a little bit better. And so a lot of people probably know you through, through work, but I'm curious about something that you're passionate about outside of work that those that only know you in that professional capacity might be surprised to learn about you. Sure. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It's interesting. I, um, I love to travel and I'm uh, a big fan of, of just being on trains and metro systems and a lot of mass transit around the world wherever I go. And so as you can probably imagine with this COVID shutdown, I've, uh, I'm going a little bit stir crazy locked in my home <laughs> office for the last few weeks, but uh, hopefully we'll soon recover back to normal in the next, in the next few months, I hope. So. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So for our listeners, how about a, a little context around Clarebridge just to give people an understanding of, of perspective? Sure. Well, just a little bit of background. The company, uh, Clarebridge, is, is really designed, we designed a product over the last decade or so that is focused on helping companies really tap into the voice of their customers, uh, both consumers as well as business customers. And we do that by uh, collecting and analyzing any kind of interaction or feedback that might occur between companies talking to customers through phone calls, through chat, through social media, and even through uh, traditional you know, customer feedback platforms like uh, market research survey systems, review sites online, et cetera. And we apply AI-powered language analytics to understand not just the things people talk about, but really how experiences make them feel, how they engender loyalty, how concerns might rise to the level of risk or uh, you know, operational performance issues in a business. And we like to say we help companies use the voice of the customer to ultimately drive loyalty and to reduce risk and to, and to help companies foster better relationships with their customers. I love it. I love it. So let's set context. Can you give me an example or an overview of way a client has leveraged these insights pre-COVID? We'll, go, we'll jump into the, with the response to COVID because that's kind of changed everything. But I'm curious, like, you know, rainbows and unicorns, everything's back to normal. <laughs> sure, uh, exactly. what, what's it what do we like? do during our day jobs? Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think that's fair. So most of the time when companies are using Clarebridge and, and trying to understand the voice of the customer, they're really shining four lenses on the information that they're analyzing. They want to know, what is driving customers to stay happy, to keep doing business with the company? And so we look for the, we, we, we call them uh, promoter drivers or sort of loyalty drivers. And we, uh, we use that information to help companies come up with better product marketing campaigns, better uh, interaction modes when customers are being serviced you know, through the phone or through social or digital means, and basically try to accentuate the positive about a business and help tailor the service and product experience so that it engenders loyalty. We also do a lot of work with um, companies who are increasingly moving into the digital 
domain, understanding how they can service customers through digital means, through online chat, through calls that go into the contact center in a cost-effective way. In the last 10 years, a lot of companies have spent a ton of money expanding the way that they interact with businesses online and over the phone. And we try to help them drive efficiency, try to reduce the time and the effort it takes for customers to do business with companies efficient, you know, in an, in an online or digital means. And by doing that, we also help companies save a lot of money. The last major initiative, I guess, prior to COVID was really helping companies to manage and reduce risk, particularly if you're in a business that is regulated or where there's a premium for, you know, not, not falling afoul of regulators or having product or quality or safety risk. We can listen to the interactions between customers and, and our customers, the companies, and spot anything that could rise to the level of any kind of risk management opportunity so that they can find it, fix it, and ultimately avoid any liability. Wow. Okay. And so that's, that's, you know, back to normal world. And yeah, so now, exactly. <laughs> and, and now, now we have COVID-19 and everybody's working from home and the, and I'm assuming the amount of digital data that you're, that you're parsing has gone through the roof. How have you seen some of your customers respond kind of in this new environment, uh, leveraging the, the solutions that you're providing? Yeah, no, there's been, the world has absolutely changed in the last three or four weeks. What we found is we, you know, we keep track of our customer usage of, of the ClareBridge system. It's a cloud-based system, so we can get a sense of how are people using it. And we went from COVID being not even a word on people's, you know, tongues a month or two ago to over, actually over 30, almost 40% of our customers are using ClareBridge now to mine what's going on with respect to coronavirus and COVID. And the main uh, kind of use cases, they, they vary a little bit by industry, but we're seeing some interesting use cases in the health insurance space. We do a lot of work with you know, the blues and, and the various healthcare insurance and provider companies around the country. They're finding that customers are asking you know, and, and trying to get support on figuring out where can I get my prescriptions filled and having to get redirected because oftentimes Drugstores are closed or have reduced hours or have limited stock. We're finding they are also um, getting a lot of feedback around paying, around co-pays, around what's covered, what's not covered. As you can imagine, a lot of this is showing up in the news too, but it's becoming very, very important for these insurance companies to have strong and clear policies to sort of minimize the frustration and the concern. We're picking the primary uh, emotion out of a lot of healthcare conversations is confusion, right? People are confused. One of the things we're really, we're really interested in, in understanding is not just what are people talking about, but how is it making them feel? Because negative emotions tend to create more frustration, longer calls, and generally a lot of uh, customer concern. So we're trying to help companies manage and, and mitigate conf confusion and fear and other kinds of negative emotions. And then the last thing is we're, we're actually trying to help insurance companies ramp up their telehealth capabilities because we're seeing a lot of utterances in these conversations around how do I talk to a doctor if I can't leave the house? And so that's starting to create a set of responses from some of these providers to help ramp up telehealth so that they can continue to maintain relationships with their, with their patients and with their, um, their members. In and, travel, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, 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 no! Please keep going. I, I, you were headed. You were headed the next. I was going to ask you specifically about travel. So travel, yeah. yeah. So travel's been interesting. Um, you know, travel is really two primary industries: the hotels and uh, lodging, and then the the airlines. In the airlines, not surprisingly, initially in the first few weeks around the um, the travel restrictions being put in place, not just here in the U.S. but around the globe. There were tons of interactions in social media as well as into contact centers around how to cancel, uh, whether they had or member or travelers had to pay um, cancellation fees, whether they were able to make changes. 
And um, the volumes spiked through the roof. Most of our, of our travel, particularly the airline customers, saw call volumes increasing between four and 10 times over Whoa. a period of two weeks because just the whole world just came crashing down on their industries. Today, volumes are much lower, as you can imagine, because no one's traveling. Um, but what people are trying to do is adjust to a more of a work from home model for their call center agents. So many of our, our customer service functions in travel are, are basically pushing calls to work from home agents, setting up new digital infrastructure. And the feedback we're seeing from those conversations is partly around people having technical difficulties, interestingly enough, as these uh, new technologies are being deployed in work from home environment. And also trying to figure out how to rebalance um, workforce because we're finding that a lot of our um, a lot of our uh, travel customers are moving to more of a U.S. based or in country based contact center and support function just because it's easier to do so during this period of crisis. So there's a bit of workforce management transition going on as well, and we're finding that in travel in particular, but this is true in all the industries, uh, our customers want to know how our their employees are feeling too. So we're looking at ways to understand the customer experience through the employee, right? How are employees adjusting to this crazy change in their lives right now? Yeah. Um, employee experience has so completely tragic. changed, right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Completely. And so do you find when you're, when you're working with your clients, you know, we were talking before we hit record about, you know, people wanting information, being able to have insight because there's a lot of unknowns, still, still a lot mm -hmm. of unknowns, mm -hmm. but do you find those that are using the solution and that are, you know, mining these insights and seeing the insights starting to get a pulse on it. Are they calmer? I mean, that's a relative term, right? It's a stressful, stressful situation. But does it help them feel like they can be more responsive, uh, it does. more in control? It, it does. I think part of the reason, you know, there's sort of two reasons for, for listening to your customers and, and listening to your employees. One is so you can be more aware. Everyone needs feels that need to be situationally aware so they can be more in control of change. And that's very much, I think, a vibe you pick up from any customer, any company, if you will, you know, adjusting to COVID right now. But the second is to actually take action, right? And, and you're seeing this with, um, again, I don't want to attribute this solely to one, you know, one insider, one vendor, or one company doing business. But today, a number of the major health insurance companies announced that they've just blanket agreed to cover, um, uh, any kind of co-pays and any cover, any kind of treatments associated with COVID because they're clearly seeing that it's having a huge negative impact on basically the country to have this uncertainty out there. We're also seeing uh, banking, uh, we haven't talked about financial services, but banking companies, you know, not surprisingly, a big driver of, of interactions into a lot of the largest banks in the country are around loan forbearance, deferring payments, ability to pay credit cards, understanding if they're going to be assessed fees or fines for late payment. These are huge concerns for people who are basically going through financial upheaval right now. Right. And a lot of the largest banks are quantifying this and realizing that, in fact, it's in their best interest to, to have some grace through this transition period. And they're doing that. You're seeing this from some of the larger banks. There's a clear connection between customer needs and concerns and companies, I think, that are responding to this crisis in a proactive and, and I think, in, a, in an empathetic way. And it does come down to quantifying and listening to the voice of the customer. And, and with everybody working from home and the spikes in the call centers, I mean, you mentioned that you can do, you know, you monitor social interactions and, and phone calls and all of that types of stuff. Can you give mm -hmm. us a little bit more of an example where you're monitoring those multiple channels and are you seeing different insights from different areas? Like, are there, is there a different sentiment maybe being expressed online than maybe what you hear in the, in the calls in the call centers or is it all fairly consistent? Like, how does that all come together? There is some difference. I think what's been interesting is, 
and this is true during and even not during a crisis like COVID, but social media tends to be much more of a um, kind of a conversation between many people. And so you tend to get these themes that are really sort of high emotion or high sentiment tend to get um, amplified through social media conversations because, you know, conversations that sort of create engagement tend to be shared more often. So you have to see social media through that lens and recognize that it may not be a, a fully representative sample of what's going on in your business, but it gives you a good sense of how the world is responding to you as a company or to a, a situation like COVID. And what we have found in, um, in contact center conversations and in chat conversations that we're, that we're analyzing is a much better way to quantify how many people are affected by a particular issue. And that information is being used in a much more kind of practical way to take efforts and to, to take changes to an organization, right? So go back to the, um, the health insurance companies. You know, policies have been sort of, re, you know, kind of retuned a bit around making sure that when patients can't find pharmacies that are open or that have their drugs, that they're creating a whole sort of strike force in some of the healthcare companies to redirect people to pharmacies that are open and that do have inventory. Nice. So, so it gives you response aware time. Of these kinds of things. Exactly. Because you yeah. don't want to know that people are having an issue and then not do something for two, three, four, you know, seven, eight days. Because right. A, is just going to cause more, more demand into your contact centers. And B, it's going to not be you know, responsive to your customers because their situations are changing right now. Right. Right. And so if you think about their customers and, and, it, and this can be, I, this can apply to COVID or, or pre-COVID doesn't matter, but can you illustrate a situation where maybe a client was surprised by some of the information or insights that they uncovered and then took different action than maybe they were thinking about taking before they had those insights? In retail, I will say we have, um, we have identified, this is maybe not surprising, but it actually, again, this gets back to situational awareness. We're working with some of the big um, retail stores that have both online and obviously store, you know, store networks around the country. And they are using uh, calls into their contact center to really get an, a sense of where people are having issues with finding particular products in certain parts of the country. Because oftentimes people are taking, you know, they're running on certain items so fast that the inventory management isn't even up to date necessarily right. with people just saying, I can't find stuff. Right. So um, they're finding that sometimes the voice of the customer is actually more, more kind of timely than even the current systems, which don't get checked in until the end of the day kind of thing within the stores. The second thing is we're finding that when we disposition calls in an automated way, meaning we, we use ClaraBridge to take a call recording and say, here are the top topics that are being you know, talked about in a call, we're able to get a better sense of what's actually going on in a call than, than agents just typing, you know, typing things on their own. And we're actually able to not only do that, but sort of save, save call time because normally agents will take time to type up what happened on the call between calls. And so that's actually allowing them to handle more customers. And that's true normally, but during this period of overloading the contact centers, it's having a huge impact on customers being able to be more responsive. Okay. So that was a nice little uh, positive surprise here. And so this, this is totally off script. I just popped into my head for some reason. Yeah. Any, with, with this type of monitoring, with this type of analysis, are you paying attention to or, or worried about, or does it not even have any effect? The, the like California Privacy and Protection Act or this, the states that are passing uh, privacy legislation, kind of like GDPR, but the California yeah. one's definitely stronger. Does that change? Is that going to impact information you're allowed to, to analyze or touch or the way you have to go about it at all? No, I mean, and that's a completely fair question. I think so between GDPR and I think CCPA, which is the Protecting Act in California, Consumer Protection Act, they do define relatively 
clear guidance on how a company, whether it's you know one of our customers or even Clarebridge as a as sort of an agent working with those companies, handles customer data, how we secure it, how we document compliance with certain standards, and most importantly, how we allow uh, companies or customers of companies to basically ask for their data to be deleted. And we as a company, because we're in the data business, have been following and complying with a lot of those standards as they've been defined and rolled out over the last few years. It doesn't necessarily change how people use the data, but what, what we recommend when we work with companies is that they should uh, give us the data in a form that they're comfortable sharing it with a business partner like Clarebridge. And if they are comfortable with our level of compliance, we will take the data in as you know, granular a fashion as they want to give it to us. If they're not, we can redact names, we can redact PII. We have ways of basically anonymizing a lot of this data so that it reduces the risk of any kind of privacy or or security issues that any, any company might have. But to be very clear, I mean, if you're in the data analytics business as Clarebridge is, you have to comply with these standards. And, and uh, we are, you know, very, very committed to making sure that we comply in every way. And that's, that's great. I know there's a lot of companies out there that aren't, well, definitely not now with the COVID thing, but, but we're just trying to wrap their heads around it especially with some of the language that's in the California act around no, no caps on, on fines and things like that, or yeah. damages. So it's, I mean, it's just an interesting question. It was one we talked about a lot before, you know, four weeks ago, it was, it was, it was a very large topic. Now we're talking about COVID. So I just wanted to make sure we got that one in there. No, um, it's fair. It's fair. And so let's, let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests kind of two standard questions towards the end of each interview. Now, mm-hmm. you as a chief strategy officer, co-founder, that makes you a prospect for a lot of people that are trying to sell. And yes. I am always curious to learn if somebody doesn't have a relationship, there's no referral in, there's no trusted connection there. What right. is it that works for you when somebody's trying to capture your attention and earn the right to get 15 minutes or so on your calendar? Yeah, I mean, this is a bit of a softball, particularly given your, you know, your line of business, which is value selling. But, <laughs> um, I, but I say this because I mean it, not because I'm trying to uh, to tell you the answer you want to hear. I do get, I do get solicited way more than I probably, you know, feel is is practical. And I've got a gatekeeper, like a lot of executives do, that largely shield me from those. But the few that do get through, I want to know very, very quickly: is there value to me and to my job and to the company? And even having a conversation that you can distill in a very, very compelling and crisp and concise way to me. Tell me why I should care. Tell me how economically or financially or from some ROI perspective, this is going to benefit me and the company. And give me a really clear and concise example. Ideally, a case study or something that I can get my head around because it's very relevant to, to the business that I'm in. If you can't do that in you know a minute or less, I won't talk to you. <laughs> Fair. They need to have done their homework. They need to know things from your perspective. I mean, it's all, it's yeah. all, it's always interesting to me. We get a lot of, you know, we've asked this question for over two years now and, and I'm starting yeah. to map, map the data. Right. And, and yeah. but overwhelmingly it is look, show, show me, you know me and that yeah. you, you understand what problems I'm facing. I mean, I guess it's good for our business that not a lot of people do that. But anyway, yeah. we get to do, we get to train them on, on how to do that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. <laughs> All right. Last question. We call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, professional services people, one piece of advice that you would give people that if they listened, you believe would help them hit their targets, what would it be and why? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it ties back to the, the, the question you asked me just before, but make sure that when you're, when you're developing 
you know, an opportunity with anybody that you truly take the time before having that first conversation or even that first email to understand how to be relevant and quickly get to the point of posing the value that you hope to give to that, to that prospect in a way that is going to get their interest and get them to want to know more. Obviously, you're not going to develop a relationship on a first call or in a first conversation, but you need to be able to tee up an interest to be able to continue the conversation. And to the extent you can do that by doing your homework, by really having a crisp and clear understanding of how what you sell is going to add value, then you'll, you'll have more luck than not. Perfect. Sid, if, if a listener's interested in learning more about uh, ClareBridge or talking to you or, or diving into these topics, where would you like us to send them? Sure. Well, you should feel free to, first of all, come to our website, www.clairebridge.com. And there actually is a banner on the, on the homepage specifically around COVID, but we encourage you to look at how ClareBridge can help companies more generally improve their customer experiences and drive the kind of ROI around efficiencies and loyalties for their customers as well. Feel free to reach out to me personally. I'm at sid.banerjee at clairebridge.com as well. Thank you. Excellent. Sid, I can't thank you enough for taking time to be on the show. It's been great. I appreciate it, Chad. Thank you for the opportunity. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. You know the drill, b2brevexec.com. Share it with friends, family, coworkers. Leave us a review if you like what you hear. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.